Welcome to the Executive Security Podcast, where we talk to CISOs and other leaders in the cybersecurity space about their careers in this industry, specifically how to get into the industry, how to grow your career, and how careers in this space are changing. My name is Gene Fay, and I'm the CEO of API security company ThreadX and the host of the Executive Security Podcast. Today, we are joined by Richard Ford, who is an experienced cybersecurity and technology leader, currently the Chief Technology Officer, CTO of Petorian. He has held leadership positions in many organizations, including Siren, Forcepoint, and Raytheon. Richard also has a PhD in physics from the University of Oxford. Welcome, Richard. How are you today? I'm doing great, Gene. Thanks for having me to come visit virtually today. We're super excited to have you. Really enjoyed our conversation uh, when we were prepping today. And I know it's just going to be a great podcast. So thank you again for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to spend some time with us and share your thoughts on why people should join cybersecurity. So maybe we could start with you just telling us a little bit about your company and your role. Yeah, Praetorian is a fantastic little company. Not huge, probably about 110 people or so, but a very high talent density, doing a lot of offensive security work in the consulting space. So red teams, threat assessments, that kind of stuff, as well as running a managed service around attack surface management. And what attracted me to the company was the opportunity to be a CTO who still got their hands dirty. So some of the names that you gave in my past, like Raytheon, Forcepoint, they're big companies. You don't get to roll up your sleeves quite as much and get your fingers on the keyboard. And what I loved about Praetorian is it gave me an opportunity to keep my tech skills sharp. One day I might be helping somebody write code. The next day I'm in the boardroom talking to the board and everything in between. And I love it. That's fantastic. So you mentioned a couple of terms that maybe are people that are listening that aren't as familiar with cybersecurity because many of these people are just learning about it. You'd mentioned offensive security and red teaming. What, what do those things mean for people that are just learning about cybersecurity? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think one of the things that we need to do as an industry is Sometimes I think we use jargon because it makes us feel good. It's just simplifying. Our own, right? secret, so, our own secret language, right? Secret handshake. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So offensive security just means you're playing the role of the attacker. So if, if we were doing an engagement together, I'd be the attacker and we're going to test your defenses. So offensive security is the attack side of the problem, but with a goal of helping you as, as a company improve your defenses. And then... A red team is just a very specific type of team that is the adversary. So when you're red teaming, again, you're taking that offensive role and you're trying to break in or capture a particular flag. Uh, super helpful. So thank you, Richard, for explaining that. So how and why did you get into cybersecurity? I'm sure from Oxford, you started getting your PhD in physics. So I know what I want to use this for. I want to get into cybersecurity, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd always loved computing, right? Ever since I was a child, I've been really interested in computing. And, you know, like a lot of kids, I started playing computer games. And I got good. Now, I'm going to date myself because in those days, you loaded games from cassette tapes rather than floppy disks. So, yeah, it's like there's We're a small number really of people. Yeah, there's a small number of people who, who remember those days. And so it was hard to do things like capture a screen capture to prove that I'd got a particular high score. So I tried to write a little computer program that would capture my high score and save it to tape so I could, I could show it to other people at school. And I ran into DRM, copy protection. A lot of these early games were copy protected. Now, I wasn't trying to 
steal the game. I just wanted to run another piece of code to capture the screen. And so I ended up learning Z80 assembly and reverse engineering skills, trying to figure out how to save this silly high score. And I realized that I liked computing and assembly programming more than I liked games. So from those days on, in fact, the game developers, by the way, would leave nasty messages in their games for you in text um, that you would stumble across. You know, I, I still remember having more fun, you know, playing with the copy protection on these games than actually playing the game. So, you know, when I got to Oxford, I was good at computing. And so I was doing my PhD and one day I booted my computer and it, it said something kind of vaguely rude to me in Spanish on the screen and then refused to boot ever again. And the reason why was I'd be, my machine had been infected by a very old computer boot sector virus called Spanish Telefonica. Mm. And, you know, like every good researcher, that was more interesting than my day job. So I disassembled that and figured out how it ticked. And I published a little article and that got picked up by Virus Bulletin. And they hired me as a student to write articles for them. And the rest just flowed from that. Right, right. So, I mean, it's, I think you hit on something uh, that we hear continuously, and that's curiosity. It's like there was something that piqued your interest. You became curious about it and you wanted to investigate it. You found that whole process of pulling it apart and learning what it is, 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 is what ultimately uh, drew you to the whole industry. Or to paraphrase a little bit. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it was a, a set of lucky accidents driven by, I want to know how this thing works. And every morning today, I still get up in my day job and go, I want to know how this thing works. Absolutely. It makes total sense. So, so what are some of the keys uh, to you achieving success in your current role as, as the CTO and, again, Chief Technology Officer? Yeah, CTO is a really, really interesting role. You know, I feel like uh, sometimes I'm the hero, sometimes I'm a punching bag, and sometimes I'm a counselor, you know, and it's a, it's a little bit of all three. But it's a fun role because you're responsible for the technological vision of the company. At a company of Praetorian size, I'm also heavily involved in helping the development team, you know, come up with fantastic architectures to deliver our, our product at scale. But I'd say the secret to success, I think you've got to be technically strong to be an internally, well, internal and outward facing CTOs. The CTO role can sometimes be a marketing role, sometimes be a technical role. I get to do a little bit of both, which I love, but I think you've got to be good technically. You've got to be able to have a really good technology conversation with any of your tech people. But at the end of the day, it's about people. It's about gathering consensus, making everyone feel involved, communicating a message and then getting everyone going. So in fact, it's like being the captain of a soccer team. You're very often not the best player on the field, but your job is to get people together and get them all pulling in the same direction so we can score a goal. And it doesn't matter who kicks the ball into the goal. What matters is that we scored it. Uh, and I see some uh, bigger analogies to that, to the company itself being focused on, as we talk about this offensive security you guys have to work as a team to, again, with the company's permission, they hire you to do this, to break in. And everybody has to know, the left hand has to know what the right hand is doing. So each one of those positions, so the, the ability to work within a team in that type of environment has got to be critical. And, and you, as one of the leaders there, having helped to orchestrate, whether it's the product development or a sales campaign or the actual way that the team is working, 
to offer your services. It's all got that team element to it. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? That that even the CTO of a very, very technical company, at the end of the day, it comes down to soft skills, people skills, really. And if you're good with people, that can make your day job infinitely more successful. And I think it is a superpower that is not always as present as it could be in the technical world, especially in the technical side of the house. It's a great point, Richard, that especially for our listeners that are in cybersecurity, but looking to become a, a chief security officer or a chief technical officer, it often isn't enough to just be the most technical person. And you have to be able to understand how to communicate that to sometimes laymen like myself, the, the damn marketing and sales team or the dreaded board or the investors. So be able to, to communicate those things along those different lines is a super critical skill uh, for those that want to rise up. And for those that just want to continue to execute, I'm sure there's people in your organization, red, red teamers that are the best. And that's what they love to do. They don't want to deal with the people aspect of it. Neither is wrong. Yeah, I think it's set, understand your strengths and weaknesses and then be able to develop your career along those trajectories. That's right. I think somebody, when I was much, much younger at college, looked me straight in the eye and said, Richard, do, do what you love and success will follow. And, yeah. and I think, yeah, gravitate towards what you love and, and you'll be really good at it because you love yeah. it. I add just one kind of additional point to that, which is I've got a great friend of mine that, uh, non-tactical, he's in the sales organization of a large cybersecurity company. And he kept feeling like his role had to be management next. And I said to him, why? I said, you don't enjoy that aspect of it. You enjoy the interaction with the customers. You don't enjoy interaction with having to worry about salespeople. And I think that same thing goes in the cyber industry. You need to, to figure out what you love and what you're passionate about and, and success will follow. He's been very successful in his role. Yes, and I think that that you need to look for companies that understand that, right? So I'm, I'm sure you, like me, have a technical track and a management track. So you can go off and, and take that management track and have broader impact, or you can go off and become a distinguished engineer or an engineering fellow. And both of those career paths are, are viable and get you to this sort of same win at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. So I guess next question would be, you know, how does one get started if they don't have any experience? So as you know, many of our listeners are people that are getting excited about listening to our podcast and just want to know like, where to begin. Day one, they're excited. They're bought into what you and I talk about. Join the fight. What do they do? I think I'd put people into sort of two general buckets. Not that I hate grouping. I, I generally don't like grouping people together, but I think, you know, everyone's different, but generally you're into one of two classes. You're either technical and you want to learn cybersecurity, or you're not technical, and you're like, well, where do I start? So we'll start with the easier of the two, which is, let's say you're a technical person and you want to learn cybersecurity. Well, the good news is that you've done a lot of the hard work, right? You've gotten some technical education. It doesn't have to be a degree. It could be a certificate program. It could be just learned through experience. And then from there, there's never been a better time or an easier time to get into cyber. There are fantastic training resources for free. I was just looking on the ISC Squared uh, website, and they have an entry-level cybersecurity certificate pilot program running right now that you can go ahead and sign up for. And I think a lot of those training materials are free. Yeah. There's a lot of things you can do to get on the radar. And what I would say to anybody is, like, the first job in cybersecurity is the hardest job to get. Once you've got it on your resume, 
then it's easy. Yeah, you know, well said. And I think we'll we'll provide the link that you're mentioning in the, the show notes so people can find that. Any in-person events that you would found valuable that you think people who are in their career might find value, some value from? Yeah. So I don't, so I could get myself in trouble now, but that's why I'm here. I don't think that the big conferences, DEFCON, Black Hat, RSA are useful, right? I don't think they, they serve a purpose for people. I mean, for you and I, we're going to go, we're going to network, we're going to see friends that we haven't seen since the last yeah. RSA. Right, right. But if you're just trying to get into the industry, it's tough. Smaller yeah. events, yeah. smaller events, local university clubs, B-sides conferences are fantastic. And very often, by the way, put up all their materials online on YouTube, right? Where you can hear a world-class speaker and go to local events. I would start local and get to know maybe your sysadmins group. They, there's often people who are interested in security there and that can often lead to a job. Most cities of any reasonable size have a B-sides conference that, that you can go to. They're fantastic. They're very welcoming. They're often shaped around this sort of very open, how can we help you sort of culture, which I love. So big shout out and plug for B-sides there. Yeah, start small, start local and make it personal. What you're looking for is somebody to mentor you, sort of pick you up, adopt you. Every one of us. I mean, I'm sure there was somebody in your life earlier. Each one of us has been picked up by a mentor who was further ahead yes. and been given that sort of leg up. And a lot of us want to pay that back. So yeah, go to those local events. That's what I'd focus on. Yeah, I think that's well said. And it's a consistent message that uh, listeners will hear from, from CISOs and uh, CSOs and CTOs is really get yourself out there. Uh, really important to do that. And the community is a giving community if you're willing to step out. And I think, as I've mentioned on multiple podcasts, I think the introvert in all of us sometimes would scare us from that idea of uh, showing up in an event where we don't know anybody in the room, but that's okay. If you muscle that energy and get through that awkwardness and you walk around and meet enough people, you will find one or two people that will take an interest in you. And you said it perfectly, the time has never been better. If we were a situation where we had hundreds of thousands of people trying to get jobs with us, we wouldn't need to invest in the idea of bringing people with no experience. We'd go, hey, there's 100,000 unemployed people for any job I'm looking for. I'm glad you want to get in here, but you know, step in line. But at this point, there is such a, an openness because of the need. The, the adversary is only getting smarter uh, and, and, and getting more money to fight us. And we've got to continue to build our own, you know, figurative army of people uh, within our vendor side, uh, like you and I are, or within our clients. Everybody needs help. So uh, put yourself out there and make yourself a little uh, vulnerable. And I think it could be one of the best um, meetings you ever go to as you investigate cybersecurity. Yeah. And your first job, you know, you may, you may come in through the side door, for example, you might not be able to come in as a threat analyst. Maybe you come in as a sales engineer and you do sales engineering or customer success. I, I know people that joined the customer success organization or support organization and grew themselves all the way to an engineer or a threat analyst. And I think you should never be put off by lack of education. If you've got drive and you can't say, I quit, you don't know how to fail and you're determined, you're going to get, you know, Determination and intelligence beat out education, and you can make your own opportunities. 
And I hope there are people listening going, oh, yeah, Rich, you know, it all came to you, blah, blah, blah. I grew up pretty poor. None of my sisters went to college in, in a rural town in England. I was picked up by people who wanted to help me. I was very, very lucky. And it was because I didn't know how to say I quit. And, you know, I was lucky to be born with it with a sharp mind but I, I was very not educated when i first started this and i was just lucky to have people who were giving around me i remember the first time at college i saw a differential equation right everybody else had stu studied diff eq I, i'd never seen one so i walked up to the whiteboard and just canceled the d's and thought i was very clever <laughs> so i think that tenacity and that voraciousness of ability to learn to your point it outweighs because you can't teach those types of things. So somebody goes to a great university but doesn't have those things it's as a part of just who they are, I think they need to go find jobs. And I always pick on banking. It's easier because it's a rather black and white. It's not. I'm not belittling them. But I think our careers in cybersecurity are so diverse uh, that you have to want to continue on that path. And that's why tenacity and that vivaciousness uh, to want to learn or, or the skills that we're looking for more than do you have a degree or more do you, ha do you have uh, even a particular certificate? Just really fortunate to hire a great kid. Um, man, I shouldn't say a little him in any way, but uh, we just hired him and he was working at Geek Squad and uh, we mm -hmm. couldn't be happier, right? I'm like, it's an awesome opportunity for him. It's an awesome opportunity for us. And uh, he's got people skills. He's dealt with a lot of really interesting tactical types of things, but he's also just a great person and uh, it's got a lot of energy and uh, we couldn't be happier to have somebody like that. And again, I go back 17 years ago and I unfortunately wouldn't have interviewed somebody with that background. And today we couldn't be happier. And same goes for military and, and other aspects of uh, what's going on. You said there's lots of interesting ways to come into cybersecurity today. Yeah, military is a good example, actually. We've had tremendous success hiring out of the military, folks who understand what the mission is and what it means to be a team, and we can teach them the tech skills. You also said something which resonates with me, which I think is important, which is around diversity. I think as an industry, we're pretty welcoming of diversity and we're looking for diversity because part of our challenge is, you know, being a great attacker or even being a great defender, you have to think differently. You want a diverse set of opinions and diverse opinions come from people who've had very different life experiences. And so don't feel like you have to be like a cookie cutter, perfect employee sort of coming off a production line just because you've come from a different background. That can be an asset. And you want to find a company who sees that as an asset too, right? Not somebody who goes, oh, I'll, I'll hire you anyway. It's, oh no, come on in. We, we want the way you think. Yeah, I I think uh, we, we as a company got to continue to improve on that. And, and we will. I think about my last company at White Ops, where they they did, a, now it's human, excuse me, but they did a really fantastic job of a much larger company than us, uh, four or five times bigger than us. They did an unbelievable job of taking the different and embracing it because they knew that having that made better decisions and it allowed them to take very different approaches to how they solve uh, bot management problems because they had such a diverse set of perspectives uh, and some of them come a rather linear path to cybersecurity, some coming from way left field and into cybersecurity. And 
that's what you need to be able to solve the types of complex problems that, that you have. I, I don't know if it was on Darknet Diaries or, or one, one of the podcasts I've been listening to, but somebody talked about the first time they went to a B-side and they said it was the first time they felt like they belonged somewhere where they'd always had an outcast feel to themselves, whether it be school or friends. Or, but when they walked into that B-side meeting, they were like, yes, these are my people. You know, and it was, uh, I think, an interesting way to encourage people to step out and, and try that out. No, that's right. And I, I think this comes back to the tenacious part, because you won't necessarily find your tribe on the first swing of the bat, right? Right, right. So get, get used to people ghosting you, get used to people saying no, until you find somebody who says yes. As somebody, again, one of my mentors always used to say, Richard, I am either up or I am getting up. They were never down, right? You're going to hear no a lot. You're going to get pushed back a lot. You're going to get emails not responded to a lot. But eventually, you're going to make that connection. Just keep on trucking. And that and that's where you're supposed to be. That's yeah. going to be your home. No, absolutely. So what do you think uh, biggest misconception about a career in cybersecurity? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about this question in, in advance of the podcast. I think sometimes people don't realize, they think it's all breaking into stuff and, you know, you're going to end up wearing a lot of black and, you know, hang out with Trinity from the Matrix, right? And and I have never yet got to hang out with Carrie Ann Moss, but if she's listening, I'm down. Just reach out. <laughs> Easy to find on, on LinkedIn. But I think sometimes we don't realize how hard work it is. It is a tough job, right? And it can be a high-pressure job. And it can be a very technical job. So, so you spend a lot of time. I spend more time understanding how things work than understanding how to break them. I think if you want to break things, to really break something, you got to completely understand how it works. So people don't understand, I think, or have misconceptions around sometimes just the amount of study it takes to be top of your game. Now, that's, that shouldn't put anybody off, right? So there's lots of levels in the, in the cybersecurity world. But if you want to be like, number one or number two in a thing you have to study i mean like there's the rfcs request for comments they're basically the rules of the internet i would start my students off when i used to teach reading rfcs and they'd be like why am i doing this and it's like if you don't really understand really understand how tcp ip works you can't ever really break it well said i totally agree and i i think it goes back to that learning aspect of a career my kids are in college and high school and they're excited to get out of college because they don't want to study anymore. And I'm like, well, if you really want to be successful, it's a continuous process of learning. So maybe it's not sitting in a classroom, but it's keeping that intuition, but also that uh, curiosity piece of your mind where you constantly want to watch a YouTube video or, or read a blog or go deep into something so you keep your brain sharp and, and continue to progress your career. Yep. That's awesome. So final question, Richard, and this has been fantastic, but what is one thing you know now that you wish you knew when you started your career? I wish I'd understood that even the greats were me ones, right? So in other words, you look up to these people, right? When I was coming up, you'd look up to some of the big names and you go, oh my gosh, this person knows everything. Yeah, because they climbed the hill. They started at the same place I did. And so I shouldn't be put off by how much they know. I should see that as an opportunity of what I could be. And I wish somebody had sat me down and said, Richard, you're perfect just as you are. you got to start your climb somewhere. You're starting here. And you can get up that hill. 
I think there was this sort of concept in my head that I could never be, you know, as good as so-and-so, right? Who, whoever was famous at the time. And the truth of the matter is, no, we, we actually all can climb that hill. Everybody started at the bottom. Yeah. I, wish, I wish I'd known that on day yeah. one. No, I think that's, that's well said. And uh, I think it's uh, a really interesting perspective on the idea that uh, I'll translate it to a little bit of what, what I think about when you, when you said this, which is it's important to have those mentors or the, those people you aspire to be, but understand you got your own race and you're on your own lane and you're going to start from X, you're going to go to Y. And if you enjoy the journey, then it, it's a fantastic career, whether cybersecurity, whatever you do, if you're constantly chasing the bone or always feeling um, behind the curve, then it can be pretty depressing because there's always somebody who's going to be a little bit smarter. It's going to be a little bit more well-known. It's going to be a little bit higher paying job in a, in a company that went, you know, whatever. You have to stay in your lane, understand uh, what you need to do. I, I think about uh, one of the most eye-opening books I ever read was Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm-hmm. One of the things I always took away from that was it was, a, it was talking about two doctors working and one doctor always left it exactly on time. The other doctor always worked overtime. And the one that worked overtime was very frustrated because he didn't get paid for it. And he said, well, this guy leaves and, and I, you know, I stay all the time. And the, the manager of the, of the two doctors says, well, who do you think is going to advance further in their career over time? The person that does the extra time or the person who, you know, who's, who's decided something else is more important. And I think that goes to it. It's like, you know, worry about what you can do to impact your career as opposed to looking left, looking right, looking up, looking down. Think about your own journey in this, uh, again, whether cybersecurity or any other career, I think it really applies. That's very true. And I, I'd say one other thing, if you're going to get good at anything, you're going to start off being bad at it. So I, I play tennis with my wife, right? It's a disaster. She was a Div 1 college tennis player. It has not been a pretty learning experience. <laughs> but what I've le- what I realized is that to get good at something, you've got to lose a lot on the front end. But as long as you're learning in that process, you're climbing that hill. So failure is okay. Losing is okay. It's okay not to be able to capture the flag. It's okay to enter a competition and lose. It's okay to apply for that job and not get it because you miss every shot you don't take. As long as you're learning from the process and you can deal with the sort of the the climb, you're going to be fine. Yeah. And I think you said it earlier in the podcast, Richard, it's that perseverance to come back, right? Whether it's meeting somebody at a B-side, whether it's applying for a job, whether it's learning tennis. Right? It's just that perseverance of coming back and doing it over and over again, learning from each one. But it's not replicating the same mistake over and over and over again, thinking you get a different result, but that ability to learn from it each time and get better and, and think about how you position yourself different, I think is great guidance for sure. Well, awesome, Richard. Well, again, we, we really appreciate the time. So that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. And thank you again, Richard, for joining us and sharing your thoughts on careers in cybersecurity. Please join us next month for another episode of the Executive Security Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you.